Welcome to Purposely Bossing Up, where we talk about bossing up in business, but we always talk about bossing up in life. Hey, y'all, this is your girl T, the host of Purposely Bossing Up. On today's episode, we have Shantira Chapman. Women's empowerment expert Shantira Chapman had spoken to thousands about leadership, communication, and self-esteem through her work as founder and executive director of the Chapman's Women's Foundation. Focusing on improving individual lifestyles by giving to others, Shantira's brand platform tells stories of self-awareness, empowerment, and positive growth. Pulling from her own experience, discusses her journey to happiness why she left corporate America, and why her message of living, building, and growing resonates with audiences everywhere. She is basically in a class all by herself. Her commitment to professionalism, integrity, and self-worth affirms that she is the powerful difference for audiences desire and deserve. So I present to you all Shantira Chapman. Hello, Shantira. Hello, how are you? I am great. I am great. How are you on this wonderful day? I am doing well. It is uh, The day is winding down, and so I'm happy. Yes, aren't we both? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to hop right into this interview. So, of okay. course, this podcast is called Purposely Bossing Up. What is your definition of purpose? My definition of purpose is what in your heart is what you feel like you're supposed to be doing, not what others think you should be doing, but what you, whether it's from your spirit, your God, whatever it is, is telling you, you should be doing what always draw, what pulls you towards, you know, what is it that pulls you towards it, even when you're not doing it. And you always feel like you can be doing it, even if you're not being paid for it. And so that's important. Even if you were not being paid to do it, would you do it? That's your mm. purpose. Mm. I love that one because you have so many people out here doing stuff just for the money. Yep. And then it doesn't look good on their behalf because it shows that they're not authentic, that they're not true to who they are. So I respect those who do things and it doesn't matter how much they get paid. People be surprised. The, the payment comes after you've delivered your testimony because someone's right. testimony... Someone's trials and tribulations is locked up right inside your story, and it takes your story to be released so they can feel released. Exactly. Yeah, I I agree. I really like that one. Nobody has said that one on the podcast, so I really, really like that one. (laughs) So what is one word you would use to describe yourself and why? So the word that I would use to describe me is intentional. And I use that word because everything I do, you know, is on purpose. It's purposeful. We're talking about, you know, being purposeful. And it's, I think about what I'm going to say. I think about how it's going to be perceived. I always think about what I want people to get from events. What do I want people to get from books that I write? And so there's an intention behind everything that I do. And, you know, we have this term power where we're talking about women being able to do the things they want when they want. So I always say, I want to intentionally show power 
everywhere I go. I want women to say she personifies that brand because that's what, you know, that's what the brand I have. I want to be, you know, I want to personify that brand and I want to be very intentional about all aspects of it. So that's the word I would use to describe me. Oh, that's amazing. I love that word. Yes. On purpose for purpose. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So how did you get into what you are doing today? Sure. So I started the Chapman Women's Foundation 10 years ago, and it wasn't a foundation, you know, when I first started it. I was volunteering at a women's shelter Mm -hmm. and I worked for a company that was trying to do some things. And, you know, you know how companies always want to be connected in the community. That's right. Who can we we go write checks to or who can we go and um, maybe, uh, you know, kind of do Christmas drives and toy drives and things like that. So I found this local shelter and it's mostly for domestic violence victims. So lots of women who have been in domestic violence situations. Mm-hmm. And I, one day I called them and asked what they needed from me. I said, what can I do for you outside of bring you checks from my company? Right. And they said, we would love for someone to come and teach assertiveness. So I started to teach assertiveness there. And before I knew it, they were asking me to host events because they wanted to bring their friends. Because as you would imagine, at a shelter, you can't bring in anyone from the outside. So That's right. If, even if they felt like I was adding value and they wanted their friends to come, their friends couldn't. So they convinced me to host a conference and, you know, it kind of built upon itself. I would say maybe five, six years ago, I decided that I wanted to be able to give more than just, you know, a one day event. So we started to host events throughout the year to raise funds so we can give away scholarships and grants. Awesome. And so- So we give scholarships and grants to women who are, you know, trying to build a business and just need a little seed money. But we also give to those women, young and old, who are trying to either go back to school or finish school so they can have better jobs. And then they're keeping in the same vein of how things started, women who are trying to get out of shelter. We help those ladies, you know, maybe with a deposit on apartments, buying furniture, buying, getting a car, you know, whatever we can to help them move forward in their life. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, so that's how things got started for me. And from there, you know, there were the books and the speeches and things of that nature. But that's really that foundation for the Chapman Women's Foundation. Oh, that is amazing. It's so glad to hear about women who give back to other women. You know, I tell people a lot, like, for part-time work, I'm actually a community awareness advocate for a victim services agency here in Philadelphia. Okay. So I know exactly what you mean, like women who have been through trauma, women who have nowhere to go, or, you know, just women who just need someone to hear, they, hear their cries, hear their worries. So I get exactly where you're coming from, and they need these different kind of organizations and foundations to help them get them back on their feet. And just no judgment, no anything. Just here, we're here to help you. That is amazing. Doing amazing work. So, you know, as children and even as adults, we have role models and mentors. So who was your role model and mentor growing up and did it change over the years? Yeah, um, I would say growing growing up, role models and mentors, really, I I just kind of modeled the women in my family. Mm-hmm. From the same when I was younger, um, because I, I I didn't grow up in a um, you know I grew up where we just kind of had the very bare minimum, the basics. And my mother worked hard; she's single mom, and my mom and my aunts. I saw them all just you know working, grinding. And so I think I have my work ethic and that you know that compassion and everything. I got that from her and from my aunts. Just watching that. But as I got older, I started to see other women. Like I worked for 13 years at NASA. And so there were other women that I just thought, wow, they are really sharp. 
They know how to speak. They know how to project. You know, all of those things just started to grow. And even in my um, corporate, um, when I was in corporate America, my corporate career, I had a lot of male mentors, actually, Mm. because when I worked in a male-dominated field, I just felt like, you know, the people who reached out to me first seemed to be guys initially. And so even one of my very first mentors in corporate America, he is still someone that I call right now to say, hey, I just need to just let it out, you know, kind of thing. And he, he kind of get, is a great sounding board. So I would say, you know, initially starting out, it was the women in my family. And then as I got older, I started to model, you know, other women that were in in my, my field that were kind of doing their thing. And, uh, you know, the guys just kind of helped to fill in the blanks wherever I needed to, you know, ask questions or things of that nature. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I think we all have those, you know, set of women in our family or Mm -hmm. close family friends that, you know, we may look up to or we may model after. I was just telling one of our um, associate ministers in our church and I was telling her like um, one of the older ladies who came up in a church with my great grandmother, her birthday just passed. So I was like, you know, I remember her when I was a little girl and how she really, really helped us young girls grow up in the church. Like, you know, how to sit up properly in a chair, how to walk with she, you know, with heels on, how to speak properly and pronunciate every word. Like, it was just like, you know, you have those key people around, no matter if they're in your family, friends, at church, or out in the community, they definitely have an impact on making you who you are today. Right. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that you're, you're you, you, you want to be them. Even if you don't say it specifically, you're trying to do what they say do. And so, yeah, yeah it's, I'm, I'm grateful for that you know, being able to look and see someone that I can model after. Yes, it's amazing feeling. So what do you feel was your biggest challenge to get where you are today? And how did you overcome that? I think my biggest challenge uh, has been to date uh, leaving corporate America. Mm -hmm. And my biggest challenge with doing that was really finding the confidence, you know, telling myself I can do it, finding the confidence to do it. And what I say is, you know, really finding my voice outside of corporate America. It was really hard because, you know, I was used to whatever they, whatever I needed to do for corporate America, I did, right? Right. And you know, whatever the rules were to make it in corporate America, I was trying to do it. Even though in my mind, I knew that I didn't really want to have a seat at their table. I still wanted to be successful because I, I saw the security in being in corporate America. And so to walk away from that, one took you know, some uh, courage that I didn't know if I had. And then also to be able to just say, I'm leaving. And to say, this is where I'm going next. This is my next journey. Mm -hmm. That was very hard. So I had to, I went to counseling (laughs) because I was scared. I was crying. And even, and my husband actually kind of helped me because he said, it's time for you to do what you tell other women to do. Mm. He just kind of threw my words back at me. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Listen, because he's pretty quiet, but when he just says something, you were like, dang, okay, I guess I gotta do that. <laughs> I did say that, huh? You know, and right. so it was just a matter of just doing it. And I think that's what, what you know, when he said it to me, when my counselors and my therapists were like, no, you can do this. You just have to believe in you and not worry about what everybody else is thinking and Absolutely. not caring not caring what you know social media is saying you don't even have to put all your business out there you know and I never did but it was just like all of these things would come back to in my mind to try to tell me that I couldn't do it and so I had to learn how to shut that off yeah that's a challenge yeah and how long have you been out of corporate america i've been away from corporate america almost 4 years completely away from corporate america you know i'd been doing this foundation and everything you know i was doing it kind of 
on its own on the side, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then I wrote, and then soon as I walked away from corporate America completely, had my own consulting firm, I wrote my first book, you know, everything just kind of fell into place. Yep, that's how it go. That's definitely how it go, because I've been out of corporate America for three years, Mm -hmm. and it it, it is a journey. It definitely is a journey. And it's scary (laughs) sometimes. It is very scary. It was scary when I left. It was scary before I left. It's still scary now, but I mean, you kind of like, as you're going, you're learning new things and you're setting systems in place so you can know how to, you know, maneuver in case, you know, might have a hiccup with something or whatever the case may be. So yeah, it's definitely a learning experience. So for those who are listening, if you are going through this whole trying to leave corporate America thing, I mean, put some things in place before you do though. Oh yeah, plain. It is a lot of people who take that leap of faith, but everybody's outcome is not the same. So yeah, put some things in place. <laughs> put some things in place before you leave, please. <laughs> and everybody's situation is not the same either. So you know, you can't. Some people can't just walk away and not have a a stable paycheck. That's right. So you have to think about all of those things. Yes, absolutely. I was one of them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you can give your younger self. A piece of advice, what would you tell her? Lighten up. <laughs> Don't take yourself to, so seriously. I have always been very focused. Mm-hmm. My mom would say, you know, my mom would always say, you know, I she never had to worry about me going out on dates. I gave myself a curfew. I was I was that person that was like, I really was I, I when I look back on it now, I was like, I was way too structured as a teenager. <laughs> I I mean, I had boyfriend and be like, okay, we gotta be back by 10 30 because mama gonna be ready to go to sleep. You know, I'm like doing that. Right. <laughs> Mm. So I think I would tell myself not to take it to everything so seriously. I was so laser focused on wanting to change the legacy of my family of women struggling, wanting mm. to make sure that I did right by my mom, that I, everything had to be planned out. And it didn't always, it didn't need to be, but in my mind, I needed to do exactly what you know, I need to do no, no straying away, no having fun. You'll be able to have fun after you graduate from college. That's what I would tell myself constantly. And I would say now I would tell her, no, take some time, have some fun. You can still have your goals. You're still going to make, make those goals because you're the same person. You just will be more relaxed. (laughs) That's right. Yes. All the tension, all the tension. It's real out here. You can't even focus. And that'll kill you. Blood pressure be up and everything. I'll be like, I'll be at my part-time job like, this is only part-time. And my blood is boiling. And I don't even have high blood pressure. But I feel like it's going up. That's exactly right. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So can you tell our listeners about your book, Empowering You? Yes, Empowering You, 12 Tips for Finding Your Voice. So as I built the Chapman Women's Foundation, and even when I wrote the first book, Power Her Play, A Woman's Empowerment Guide, I would get questions from people, both men and women. What did I feel was the most important aspect of women's empowerment? And to me, it's your voice, because that's the first thing that goes in the midst of chaos, you lose your voice. If, you, if you're mad mm-hmm. at work at the boss, what? I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to sit over here in my corner and I'm going to do my job. I ain't got nothing to say. Your voice is gone. It's distorted now. It's not what you really need it to be. If a guy, you know, I worked with a lot of domestic violence, um, ladies in domestic violence situations, as soon as they were in a situation where this guy is beating on them and all of that, they didn't tell anyone. They lost their voice. When you're uncomfortable, when you're in the midst of chaos, we tend to forget 
that's our most important weapon, our, our strength, our power is in our voice and it goes. So this book is about giving women kind of those tips for how to regain, refocus, recharge, re-energize that voice and own it. So it's built in like a workbook style. So you'll be able to work through each of the 12 tips. So over the course of a year, if you took one tip per month and worked through and it asks you questions about yourself, asks you questions about your friends, and you start to create and build your voice through all of these other things that you didn't even think played a part in it, such as your friends. What are they saying about you when you're not there? Or when people or when mm-hmm. people look at your group of friends, what do they think about you by just looking at who you hang out with? You Correct. Know? So all of those things are in there to think about and to help you start to refocus and hopefully get the readers to a point where they're like, no, this is not what I want it to be. I want to change some things. And so you're able to, you know, jot down those changes and start working towards them. That is awesome. I may have to get this book. Yes, you should. I guess you know Yes. I'm like, I know her. Y'all don't know her, but I know her. (laughs) So we know you're an author and we know reading is so essential in a way that we can learn. So do you have a current read that you can suggest or offer a top three for our listeners? So I do audiobooks a lot because of, you know, in my line of work, I'm constantly writing communications or writing books or things like that. So I'm always just looking for different things to to occupy my mind, to keep things moving. And so I have over the past, Mm -hmm. I would say the past three months, I've read three really good books. And one of them was Well-Read Black Girl. Really? Have you ever read that? It's a book entitled Well-Read Black Black Girl, Finding Our Story. Mm. And it's by uh, Gloria Edom. And Mm -hmm. it truly talks you through kind of some of the, this, uh, this author's journey to writing and reading what she considered to be pivotal stories. And what I liked about the book is that it gave you other stories to read. Like she was explaining why Tar Baby from Toni Morrison was important in her life. You know, and so it makes you want to go read Tar Baby. And I'd read Tar Baby mm-hmm. once. And so I went and reread Tar Baby by Toni Morrison again. And I was like, man, that was so great. I also, The Hate You Give, I read that book by Angie Tomlins because I wanted to read it before I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see the movie till very recently. So I, I you know, it, I was like, I'm not going right. to watch this movie until I read the book because I want to really, you know, understand her story. And not because I didn't know if the movie would be watered down, but the movie was actually very good. Exactly. And even, um, even if Bill Street could talk, I did the same thing with it. I read that first before I watched the movie. I waited till it came out on DVD because mm-hmm. it was taking me so long to get to get to reading. So I was like, "That's okay. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna read this book first, and then I'm gonna go watch the movie." <laughs> and I did it all. Like I like read that book. Soon as it was done, I was pulling it, pulling out the Blu-ray and playing it. <laughs> but those were the ones that I've just recently did. The Hate You Give, if Bill Street yes. could talk. And uh, well-read Black Girl. I also reread Tar Baby as well. So that's four. Oh my goodness. Tar Baby was everything when I was in elementary school. Yes. It was like the best book ever. And it was one of like those first Black books, you know, like about a Black kid. And you're like, oh my gosh, we really exist. Like, you know, not saying that we yeah. didn't exist, but we had never seen ourselves in that, in that era. You know, like 
So it was a good, good feeling. And both of those uh, books that you mentioned, um, if Bill Street could talk and um, they did. Hate you okay. Get, were really, really Absolutely. great. Even Absolutely. the movies, they really, say, they really did a really good job with both Black of those Girl, movies. When Glory Eden was talking about Tar Baby, she was saying how she read it when she was younger, but after she was an adult, it meant something different. And she was absolutely right, because I'd read it once years ago in my 20s. And now wow. I'm 43, and I'm, I've gone through things, you know, and, and now it means something totally different. I saw, I saw yeah. it. Yeah. So you should either get it, re- listen oh, to yeah. it, I'm something, gonna have to but get you're going to feel too. different when, you, hear, when you when you go through it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on it. I'm writing all this stuff down right now as we speak. <laughs> so what is your meaning of success? And what do you consider okay, to so be mine, your current um, biggest success? The meaning for success or me business really happiness. And I say that for, and so happiness to me is coming home mm-hmm. and having, you know, my loving family, not feeling like I'm always having to do something where there's, you know, tons of to-dos. Yeah, we all have the to-dos, but I've gotten to a point where everything had to be done right now. And now I'm at a point where, yeah, I may have a list of to-dos, but I don't feel like I need to do them now. I know how to unwind. I know how to appreciate take time to smell the roses, so to speak. And success mm-hmm. also is being able to talk to different people, to be able to share what we've been doing and what I've been preaching kind of with the Chapman Women's Foundation for the past 10 years, now being able to do it on a different level and have mm-hmm. other people understand it, get it. And um, mm-hmm. also being able to success means also that I'm just going to be real I can pay my bills and not have to worry. And I can still go to the, I can still go buy shoes. I can still go shopping, you know? And so that to me, yes, because part of what I came from, I didn't have that. We were Mm -hmm. always, you know, kind of on the red bill paying. We were always trying to, if we needed to buy new sneakers, we had to plan it out, you know, because it was three or four of us. And so to me, success is not having to think about that, but also hugely big is success being able to see my mother smile. And that really is one of the biggest successes that I've had in my entire life is seeing her knowing that I've played a part in making her feel proud and that she was my mom, even though it was so hard for her at times to be my mom because she had me when she was 20 and, you know, and I wasn't her only child. So it was like, you know, for her thinking about the fact that she, she, my mother had me when she was 20 and she, I was not her only child. So there was always work. There was always a struggle and we were working so hard all the time to make sure we had ends meeting, you know, and it was a family effort. So to be able to, you know, make sure that she can smile, she can be proud of what I'm doing, that I can provide her with things that she hasn't had, that stuff, that that's a huge success for me. That's a big win to be able to have that from her. That's awesome. So, you know, I'm sure you you got a lot of hustle and bustle every day. So what are some ways you practice self-love and self-care? Oh, I just I just um, schedule my massage. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I try to do a massage once a month. Okay. Because, you know, I when I get really, really tense and, you know, it starts to hurt my back, all of that. But at the same time, it helps me to sit down and release. So that's one thing. Two, when I go like say I've gone from meeting to meeting to meeting, just like I've done today, Mm -hmm. getting to when I get to my house and I get home. For the first 30 to 45 minutes, I don't check phones. I don't check emails. I sit on the couch or sit on my bed and I just watch TV and I give myself permission to watch the craziest stuff ever. It could be Family Feud. It could be some old show or it could be the cooking channel or the Food Network. 30 to 45 minutes because I need to just 
be still. Mm -hmm. That's something I do absolutely every single day. And, you know, really, I just try to laugh. I try to find things to make me laugh every day because it's so therapeutic. It just kind of goes the soul. Those are the things that I do on a regular basis to just kind of make myself be okay. And outside of also having my therapist to talk to, having people, you know, in my life that I can, you know, vent to when I need to. Yes, absolutely. Those are good ones. Those are definitely good ones. Um, Massages are definitely therapeutic. Like you're saying, laughing and giving yourself that downtime. Like when you're not doing nothing, like you said, be still, even if it's just sitting in your bedroom with nothing on, just quiet, peace. Mm -hmm. It's just so important to have. Yes. So what is one resource you use in your personal or your business life every day that you cannot live without? One resource that I use every day that I can't live without, <laughs> I would say my calendar. Mm-hmm. And I and, and that's because everything is on it. If it's not on the calendar, it's probably not going to get done. That means those are my priorities. You know, it's kind of like my to-do list for the day. Right. And so even, and when I say that, I mean, even like go to the grocery store, I put that on the calendar. You have I, to. Yeah, I tell myself, you're going to go, you're going to be on your way home from a client, blah, blah, blah. You'll make it to the grocery store, you know, maybe about 6.30. So I put on there, 6.30, grocery store, and give me a 15-minute alert to make sure I don't drive past the grocery store thinking about other stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) it happens. But yeah, so that's a resource that I use every day, my calendar. Yes, calendars are essential. I, I I I need to get an assistant so they can manage my calendars because I have the regular calendar on my phone. I have my calendar for the podcast, for all the scheduled people for the podcast. I have my calendar for my part-time job. It's just a calendar for everything. And that's yeah. not even including the planners, like the physical planners that I have in the house. So it's just <laughs> it's Please. just calendar, calendar, calendar everywhere. Well, see, I've color-coded my calendars and merged them all on my phone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's red, blue, purple, yellow, you know, yellow, brown, whatever those colors are. And so on my calendar, when I look at the day, my blocks are color-coded. See, I'm going to have to start doing that because I'll be all over the place. (laughs) I know. I understand the feeling. (laughs) So do you have any upcoming events or projects that our listeners can look out for? I do. I have. um, So... I have my signature event for the Chapman Women's Foundation is entitled Power Her Play, mm-hmm. and it is a professional woman's breakfast. And so we're hosting that breakfast in Houston in August, very early August, August 9th. And so we're super excited because every year we get to, you know, really go after people of different professions and have them help us coach other women in the city. So we open it, we talk about what's going on in the community. We talk about how it affects our jobs, you know, is coming up in August. But leading up to it, what we're super excited about is we have a shopping event that we're going to be doing. And we have an exclusive shopping event, so we're going to get real fancy. <laughs> and we'll be able to have our have our guests come and shop, and the proceeds from their shopping goes to the Chapman Women's Foundation. Oh, how can our people find you on social media? So on social media, on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, the Chapman Women's Foundation. Instagram, we're at Powerful, P-O-W-H-E-R-F-U-L. And then on Instagram, T-C-W-F Empower. Yes, awesome. And, and of course, our website. So on our website, 
uh, chapmanwomensfoundation.org. Everything is out there from the events we have coming up on August, the Professional Women's Breakfast, our shopping event. People will be able to really be able to, you know, find mm-hmm. ways to support us. And the things Oh, that's that awesome. That's awesome. And before we go, can you give our listeners one tip about how to boss up, not just in life, but also in business? The one tip that I would give would be to own your voice. Understand who you are, the things that you're doing, and not let anyone squelch your voice or try to redefine it or rescope who you are. So utilize your voice and own it authentically. Awesome. Awesome. That was amazing. I hope everyone was writing down those gems you were dropping, how they can contact you. I'm sure you guys can purchase her book, you know, support her, support the foundation because they're doing amazing things, giving back to the women in the communities. And I just am so grateful to have had you on the podcast today, Shantira. So I'm excited. Yes, super duper excited. And with that being said, I hope everyone has an amazing day. Continue to boss up with purpose. Thank you for listening to this episode of Purposely Bossing Up. Continue to keep bossing up with purpose. Ain't none to it. Real one. Ain't none to it.